Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, what a beautiful morning it is to be here. Uh, thank you to Jeff and Deb for being here today. I encourage you, uh, if you're not doing something during the 11 o'clock hour, to come and join and hear what God is doing uh, in their ministry, in their lives. As we're going through Psalms, uh, each week we, we are taking a different psalm and, and as you're thinking through how to preach through it, there's different ways to preach through the Psalms. And this week we're going to be in Psalm 103. And I wanted to uh, come at it a little different way. I wanted to come at it uh, through the perspective of three women that, that Jesus interacted with. Uh, now this first woman, we don't have all the background details, but we can kind of historically fill in the gaps of what was probably the case. Now, uh, in those days, if you were a woman and you didn't have a husband to take care of you, it was very hard in uh, first century A.D. to find an income, to have a job, to provide for yourself. And so somewhere along the line, this, this woman finds herself really struggling. And from the context of the, of the text, we can assume that maybe as she was struggling and trying to figure out how to live, maybe she turned to the oldest, uh, the oldest vocation in the world, as they called it, and through that, uh, as she pursued that, she started to gain a reputation in the community, and, and as she would go different places, people would uh, look at her in disdain, uh, husbands and wives would talk amongst themselves, whisper, and say things about her, and she became a person that was known for her lifestyle. And one day, uh, she encountered Jesus, and she encountered his teaching and his love and his grace, and she was completely overwhelmed. So she went home to her house to find some gift that she could give, and there she finds this expensive perfume that maybe was gifted because one of those encounters, and she goes to the place where Jesus is, and, and Jesus is having a meal at a Pharisee's house. And as she walks into the house, the people around, sitting around the table, start to whisper. They start to say things. They start to say, did she really come in here? She should know. She can't come into a Pharisee's house. And as she encounters Jesus, she approaches Jesus. She sees, as he's reclined at the table, his dirty feet. And overcome by encountering this man, she starts to cry. And as the tears flow on his feet, she, she wets his feet with her tears and she lets down her hair, which would have been very inappropriate in that time frame. And, and she starts washing his feet with her tears and her hair. And then decides to take this expensive perfume that would have been worth a lot of money and pours it on his feet and starts to wash his feet with her tears and her hair and her perfume. And as she's doing that... Uh, the host of the party, Levi, says under his breath, if, if this man, if Jesus would have known who this woman is, that she was a sinful woman, he would not allow her to do this. And Jesus said to Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon responds out of respect to Jesus, says, tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed them 500 Denarii, the other fifty. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? 
It's a simple question. Simon does the math and says, I suppose the one who owed him more money would be more loving and would be more thankful. Jesus says, you have judged correctly. They turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time she entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, which is something they would do as a courtesy. And he said, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said, your sins, to the woman, he says, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Before entering the house, this woman was someone who was talked about, someone who was put in the category of sinners, along with tax collectors and prostitutes and the sick and the the people who weren't allowed to come into the tabernacle, weren't allowed to come into the synagogues. This woman was an outcast. And she very likely felt very guilty about the things that she did, and yet she walked into that room and was forever changed by God's forgiveness. And maybe there's some of you here today that, that feel like an outcast, uh, feel like you have don't fit in and, and feel like uh, you're just hiding who you really are away from other people. And maybe you need to experience that tremendous grace. But the other thing Jesus said is, he talks about this idea of being thankful for our forgiveness. And we all have been forgiven much if we put our faith and trust And so today, as we read Psalm 103, the main thrust of this passage is the amazing, astounding grace and forgiveness of our God and how that grace and forgiveness should change us. So I want to look at this psalm today through the lens of three women that interacted with Jesus, one woman which we just shared, but then hopefully as we do this, we can interact with our own lives. So let's read Psalm 103, you can turn in your Bibles or on your device there to Psalm 103, and after we read it, we are going to pray. Psalm 103 of David, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or pay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. 
They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, with his, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all you angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that as we open your word, that you will change us. Lord, there may be some here uh, today, some listening online, that, that right now need your forgiveness. They need your grace. They need your mercy. They're carrying around shame and, and guilt and, and a burden. And they need to experience the love and grace and mercy and compassion of our good God. We pray that all of us will experience that and that, Lord, we'll remember it, we'll reflect on it, and we'll be thankful for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. What I love about David as he writes these psalms is often he speaks to himself. Uh, one of my favorite psalms in the scriptures is where David says, um, Wow, I forgot it right now, my favorite one. He says, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself. He recognizes that even though his situation is really scary and bad, that he shouldn't be downcast. That God had, had changed him. God had saved him. And so he says to himself, David, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. He's telling himself to put your hope in God. Here he's speaking to himself and he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, in my inmost being, in all that I am, every part of me. He's reminding himself, praise the Lord. And sometimes we need to do that. We need to remind ourselves in the midst of difficult, uh, hard circumstances. We need to remind ourselves to praise the Lord. In the midst of joyous occasions, we need to remind ourselves. Last week I talked about the idea of having the elevator music of our life be praise. That in the background, in, in just as we're going about our day-to-day activities, that in the background there's just this melody of praise going out to the Lord. But he says, in my inmost being, praise His holy name. The, the Hebrew word for name here, Shem, refers to someone's character. So he's referring to the character of God, that God is holy. Set apart, transcendent. Uh, not all of you may know, but we have two Afghan uh, refugees, uh, teenage boys living with us, and, and they're Muslims. And uh, in the Muslim faith, God is very transcendent. And so they make sure to uh, put their Quran somewhere that is, is, is prominent, that is protected. Uh, they don't ever want to mistreat that word because that word is representative of who God is. When they pray, they, they, they go through this very meticulous thing. They make sure they're facing Mecca. And, and they're, they're so particular because they see God as so holy. And in that, they miss the imminence of God. That God is with us. That God creates for a relationship with Him. That God calls us His child. That God calls us His friend. They're missing out on this whole 
element. But at the same time, as Christians, sometimes we focus so much on the imminence of God and, and that he's, a, he's our friend and that, he's, that he, he comes alongside of us, that he's with us, that he walks with us, that we miss the transcendence of God. And that we don't, we don't think about how God is holy and, and set apart and just and, and righteous and worthy of our praise and, and, and worthy of our, our surrender. And oftentimes we don't treat God with the correct respect that he deserves. And so as Christians we need to emphasize both the imminence of God, that he is with us and that he cares about us, but also the transcendence that God is holy and worthy of our our fear, and our respect. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. As we praise the holy, sovereign, all-sufficient God, one way to praise Him is to remember the benefits of of following Him. In Luke 17, Jesus healed ten lepers, and nine of them went on their way, and only one of them came back to thank Jesus for what He had done. And so often in our lives, we can just go about our days not thanking God for what He has done or or looking to Him. So David says we need to not forget all of His benefits, to to think about these benefits. What are some of the benefits? Look at verse 3. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. God is a God who forgives sins. Now in Hebrew poetry, often the first thing is the one that's of most priority. And we'll see that here. The primary focus of this passage is God's forgiving love. In the words of Jamie Grant, there can be no greater benefit Because there can be no relationship with God apart from the forgiveness of sins. All the other benefits are dependent upon this one act of love. Because the core human problem is that we're all sinners. God is holy and just and completely good. And we can't earn our way to heaven by doing enough good things. Our core problem is is sin. And so... God provided a way by sending His Son Jesus so that we could have life. So forgiveness is the beginning of that. And He says, and and heals all your diseases. Now, uh, there's different ways to look at that. Some people would say, well, we know for a fact that God doesn't heal all your diseases or people would never die. Christians would never die. So some would say this is a spiritual thing, talking about uh, with the forgiveness of sin that God God heals our diseases. And, and that's possible. It's also possible uh, that uh, David is just making a statement that all healing really comes from the Lord. In biblical times, before antibiotics and modern medicine, even a small cut or a tooth infection could kill you. Uh, curable illnesses that we have today could kill, disfigure, disable, and permanently hinder people as they got older. So health and healing was often a sign of God's protection. And God doesn't promise that He'll heal everything on this earth, every disease, every cancer, every issue that we face, but He does promise a permanent healing. And so for those of us that are believers, we can walk in faith knowing that we might not be healed in this life, but that we will be healed forever in eternity if we walk with the Lord. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. This is a metaphor for the grave. So being kept from death and crowns you with love and compassion. 
I love this idea that God is commissioning us. He's, he's gifting us this, this love and compassion. We're to be crowned with it. Verse 5, who satisfies your desires with good things. God promises to satisfy your, your desires with good things. I've talked about many times the idea of a Snickers. That, that Snickers, their, their, their tagline is Snickers satisfies. And they do for a moment. But then eventually you get hungry again. But if all you ate was Snickers, would that be a good thing? Probably not. That wouldn't be a good thing. God doesn't promise to satisfy your desires with all the things that the world says will satisfy because all those things end up being just temporary. He says He's going to satisfy our desires with, with good things. Why? So that your youth will be renewed like the eagles. The eagle is a beautiful bird of, of strength and replaces its old feathers with new. He's saying, I'm going to give you these desires, these good things that, that I fulfill so that you're renewed. And then he shifts a little bit and says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. The Lord is continually working for those who are downtrodden. Uh, last week, uh, the, the passage later um, talks about God being near to the broken hearted. We serve a God of the marginalized and the oppressed. And then Psalm 103 continues, and it reflects back to an occurrence in Exodus. And a lot of times when we look through the Scriptures, it's good to see the big picture of what God is communicating and doing. And in Exodus 32, if you remember, the, uh, the Israelites were, became impatient at Moses being up on the mountain, and they all went to Aaron They said, Make us a God, and, and Aaron made the golden calf, and they all worshipped the golden calf, and, and uh, God brought judgment on them. And then Moses, after that, goes up and talks to God and asks God, in the midst of that, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And so the next is 34. We have this encounter where, where Moses encounters God. It says in verse 5, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, Yahweh, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousand, to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Notice in chapter 33, God said that I'm going to pass by you and proclaim my name in your presence. And when God proclaimed His name. He didn't just say, I am. He didn't just say, Yahweh. He said, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Now listen to the psalm. David is going to use that, that passage in Exodus to explain God's goodness, to explain who God is. 
Verse 7 of Psalm 103. He made, his, no, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. This is what he's talking about. What happened in Exodus 34? He's talking about how God made his way known. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. This language is covenantal, that God is making a promise, that God is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He says that immediately after the nation of Israel forgot what the Lord had done and bowed down to a golden calf. This nation had been set free from slavery, had walked across the Red Sea as they watched the waters on both sides be held up so they could cross. They had seen God's mighty works. And then the moment when Moses was gone, they said, well, let's worship this golden calf. And right after that, God describes himself and says, I'm compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Because Israel's sin does not change God's character. Our sin does not change God's character. When we mess up, when we fail, when we make mistakes, God is still the God who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. When you walk one day and you go to the end of the night and you say, Oh, messed up again. God is still who God is. He is still slow to anger, abounding in love. Gracious and compassionate. In verse 9 it says, He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. Anger and accusations are the appropriate response to sin. And in fact, in Exodus 34, God, when He reveals Himself, also says, He does not leave the guilty unpunished. So, God will have times where He is angry because of sin. Because God hates Sin, But it says he will not always accuse. He will not harbor his anger. Unlike us, when we have been wronged, when people ask for forgiveness, when we forgive them, we often continue to harbor our anger, even as we try to release it. God will not harbor that anger. Verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or pay us according to our iniquities. Our sins and our iniquities deserve punishment. The nation of Israel deserved punishment. Punishment, And there were consequences for their sins. But God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Just as God was gracious to the Israelites, He will be gracious to us. In John 8, there's a story of this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And there's probably some kind of setup because the Pharisees brought her. They caught her in the middle act. They didn't bring the guy, but they brought this woman. And there's a crowd that had formed everywhere that Jesus went. And they, they bring this woman to Jesus. And, and they say to Jesus, look, this woman was caught in adultery. And Moses says that she should be stoned. What are you going to do? What should we do? And with the crowd looking around, Jesus bends into the ground and starts writing something in the sand. And they're like, come on, what, what are you doing? What do we do? Do we stone her? Do we kill her? Do we let her free? If, if Jesus says stone her, then they can say, well, he's, look at how rough he is. If he says let her free, they can say he doesn't care about the law. And Jesus, slowly after writing stuff in the sand, stands up and he says this. Let anyone who, of you who is without sin 
throw it means the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bends down and starts ringing the ground again. One by one, the crowd starts to dissipate because they all recognize that they're all sinners. And eventually the only two people that are left are Jesus and this woman. And Jesus stands up and says to her, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Now Jesus is the only one without sin. And Jesus had the right to condemn her. The right to punish her. And he says this, Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Because God does not treat us as our sins deserve or pay us according to our iniquities. But he does call us to change. He does say, leave your life of sin. But that's an example of God's grace and mercy. Continuing Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. How high are the heavens above the earth? Can you measure it? Is there is there a way to, to frame it? I mean, this last these last two weeks they had this new telescope that that could see way further than the, the Hubble could. And there's all these images that came up that were just gorgeous. It just demonstrates that there's this there's this incapacity to 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 measure this distance. And that's God's love. It says his love for those who fear him. Now that means those who follow him. It's not saying that we need to be perfect, but just those that that live for God, that follow God, that's what his love is for. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east is from the west? I mean, it's, 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 it's this immeasurable thing. And so that's the idea, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has cast our sin from us. We often hold on to our sin. We, we keep it by us. We, we, we beat ourselves up over it, even after we've released it to the Lord and asked for forgiveness. And, and God says, I've cast it as far as the east is from the west. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Fathers out there, mothers out there, think of how much love you have for your kids. How much you want them to succeed. How much you want to provide them a good gift. How much you want to them to, to see them obey. How much when they disobey, when they ask for forgiveness, you want to forgive them and welcome them into your arms. But now picture a, a good father who is perfect, who isn't selfish, who, who doesn't deal with sin like we do. That's the love and compassion of our father. I'm going to go quicker through the rest of this so we can get to come back to this idea of forgiveness. Verse 14, For He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone. Its place remembers it no more. As humans, our lives are fragile and brief. And yet, this scripture says that God formed us with a purpose. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. His love is, is, is continual from everlasting to everlasting. There's no end to it. And His righteousness with their children's children, God continues to bless us, uh, bless us even to the next generation. With those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. Loving God is to obey Him as we saw in First John. If you love me, you will obey my commands. 
The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. We serve a God who is sovereign and king over the whole universe and worthy of our praise. Verse 20, praise the Lord, you His angels, the mighty ones who do His bidding, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you His servants who do His will. Praise the Lord, all His works, everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. David ends by praising God for His sovereignty, both in the heavens, leading the angels, for His sovereignty in creation, that all creation praises Him, and He is worthy of praise of the angels of creation and of us. At the beginning of the sermon, we said we wanted to look at this through, through three different women. We already talked about the woman who anointed Jesus' feet, the woman who was caught in adultery. But I want to close with this third woman. Uh, in John 4, we have the interaction with the Samaritan woman. and we've, we've preached on this passage, but as a refresher to remind yourselves, uh, this woman lived in Samaria, and uh, she would have been someone that uh, had a reputation. Uh, in those days, uh, divorce was not common, and she had been divorced five times. Uh, she was living with a guy in those days. Uh, cohabitation was not common. And in those areas, because of the heat of the sun, all the ladies would go out and draw water in the morning for the day while it was cool, much like now, before it gets heat. Uh, and they would all talk and, and all those things. Well, this woman came out in the middle of the heat of the day to draw water. And Jesus sends his disciples off to get food and supplies. And then he goes to the well and there's this woman. And he asks her to draw water, knowing that in those days, it, uh, if a Samaritan even touched a, a cup, it would be unclean. A Jew could not eat from that cup. Knowing that it was inappropriate for a, a man to talk to a woman in public, let alone a woman who was a Samaritan. And they start having this conversation and and about water, and eventually Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks this water, the water she was drawing, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will bring, become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so she says, probably sarcastically, Sir, give me this water. And he says, okay, well, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And, she, and Jesus says to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And she's astonished. Jesus calls out her sin. Points it out. She's never met him. He calls out her sin. And then as they talk further, she recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised. And so leaving her water jar, she goes back to the town and listen to this. She says to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've done. You catch that? She goes to a town where, I mean, this is, these are not big towns where people don't know each other. These are towns where everybody knows who everybody is. Everybody's in each other's business. So she starts going around. This woman who everybody would say has a reputation. And she goes around and says, come see this man who told me all my sins. Who told me everything I've done. Her testimony is this guy pointed out my sin. But why was that her testimony? Because she experienced God's goodness. This is the scandal of God's grace. That 
us, sinners, who've made tremendous mistakes over and over and over and over again, can come and tell others, come see this man who told me everything that I've done. Because we've been forgiven for all of those mistakes. Because in Psalm 103, we serve a God who forgives all your sins. A God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. A God who does not treat us as our sins deserve. A God who does not repay us according to our iniquities. A God whose love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. A God who casts our sin as far away as the east is from the west. In the words of Hebrews 4, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Jesus knows every thought. Jesus knows every action. Jesus knows everything that we keep hidden from everybody else. It's all laid bare. The woman who came and was washing Jesus' feet, Jesus knew what she was doing the day before and the week before and the month before and the year before. Jesus knew her character, and yet he allowed her to wash his feet. As this woman came crying and horrified as the whole town gathered and said, We caught you in the midst of your sin. Jesus knew exactly what she had done, and yet forgave her and sent her on her way and said, Go and sin no more. This Samaritan woman that was at the well, had been divorced five times and was living with a man, and Jesus knew all of her past sins and her present sins. And he called her to forgiveness and repentance. Because in the words of Hebrew 4, Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our mistakes, we're called to approach the throne. Think about God's transcendence, the ruler of all creation, who approached his throne of grace or with confidence. Knowing we'll receive mercy. How in the world, in the midst of our sin, could we approach a throne of a king to say, I messed up and have any kind of confidence? Because God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. See, as we read through Psalm 103, we need, we need to remember, don't lose sight of God's character. Don't lose sight of who God is. In the midst of all of the activities of our life, we can so easily lose sight of who God is. Second, don't take His grace for granted. When Jesus healed the ten lepers, only one came back to thank Him. So often, God's grace has become so common. We've heard it from the time we were babies, many of us. We've heard about the cross. We've heard about God's forgiveness. We've heard about how God is gracious and merciful. And we just take it for granted. We live as if God is not also holy. And God does not care about sin. Don't take God's grace for granted. But lastly, don't run from God. Run to God. Amen. Run to the throne of grace. Run to the throne of grace. 
When you mess up, don't try and fix it. Don't try and wait. Don't try and live a better life so you can go back to God later and go, look, God, I'm doing better now. No, in the moment of sin, run to God's throne and know that you receive grace and mercy in your time of need. Why? Because God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that when you revealed yourself, when you declared your name to Moses, you said, I am the Lord, the Lord, the God who is slow to anger and abounding in love, gracious and compassionate. Lord, help us to remember that. Help us to not take it for granted. If there's anyone here in this room that's struggling with sin right now, help them to run to you, to not run from you. To experience the good gifts that you give. To experience your mercy and your grace and your compassion. If anyone here that's, that's brokenhearted and lonely, help them to find their satisfaction in you, to know that you're near to the brokenhearted. Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you and has been like one of these women that we shared today, maybe socially outcast, maybe struggling, help them to know that they can experience grace and forgiveness and find what they need in a relationship with you. Only you alone provide salvation and forgiveness for our sins so that we can have eternal life. Lord, help us to live with these realities each and every day. In your name we pray. Amen.